I know sometimes it may not feel like it, but right now is a killer time to be a watch enthusiast. I mean, think about it. We right now are in a new renaissance where there's micro brands developing accessible watches with designs that we don't see from the big heavy hitting brands. We have a wide range of styles and a wide range of sizes for every kind of wrist, male or female or however you identify. But that is for us adults. Now, as a dad of a five-year-old, it's actually a little tougher. If I mean, think about it. The last time you've been in the forums, have you ever caught the argument about what's the best ratio, 40 and 20, 42, 22? But even then, those are ratios for an adult-sized wrist. For a kiddo's wrist and their tiny hands that will be using it, the proportions are all wrong. Even if we go down to a 36 millimeter watch for a five-year-old, that thing might as well be a Panerai. Combine that with the constant consumerist nature of the fact that children's things need to be turned and burned, and yet for those of us that are fans of horology, we wanna have something of quality, something that's durable, something that's specced well, inspect in a way that is usable for those tiny fingers and developing mind, of course. And as a watch enthusiast father, that was all a tall order to find in something. For a five-year-old who wants to be just like his dad to have an adventure watch, a watch with a spinning bezel, but that changed about four months ago with a little company called Block. You've tuned into the Analog Explorer podcast. Read about my analog manifesto, my passion for photography, and my love of travel in watches in print and online at analogexplorer.com. It was only four months ago that another boutique or microbrand hit the scene. Based out of New York, Block Watches was created, where they had a little people's watch, a 33-millimeter dive-ish watch with a sapphire crystal and a, and a Swiss movement. Matter of fact, made in Switzerland. Color me Pantone curious. And by the end of this, you might be Pantone curious too. Today's guest is the CEO and chief chef of Block Watches. His name is Neil. He's a designer by practice, an engineer by trade, and a friend of ours in the watch fam. I mean, uh, we were we were talking uh, off the mic, but uh, where are you at right now? We are. I'm in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, Block the watch company is predominantly in New York City. Got a couple of employees up there, um, so I do bounce up and up and down. But but we live in uh, far too sunny Greenville, South Carolina, right now. <laughs> so. It's a squelching what 98 degrees there right now, or what? Yeah, I think it's like 99 on the app today. Uh, definitely feels hotter. So yeah, the South is bringing it this week for sure. Now, a little bit of an analog editor's note here. When we recorded with Neil, he was in his 100-year-old house on a day where the outside temperature was nearing 100 degrees. So you're going to notice a little bit more background noise on his end. Nothing too distracting, just maybe some fan noise in the background. And his audio changing ever so slightly as he changed rooms to stay cool and to get some better bandwidth. Okay, enough notes. Back to the conversation. So, Neil, are you the are you the president, co-founder? How do you identify of of Block Watches? Like, what what what's your title? 
Yeah, I guess the, the easiest thing is probably a couple minute backstory on it. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm the CEO, um, but I, CEO. I, uh, I head chef, <laughs> okay, chef. Uh, guy that gets yelled at, you know, whatever. You can call it any of those things. Um, but uh, we, I day to day run an industrial design firm called Discommon. Um, that is my day job. That is that is what we do. Um, but I have a great team. Um, and so that is you know, a good portion of my time, but as is a growing company, uh, Block is now probably the predominant amount of effort that I put in. Um, and I'm lucky that, you know, my design firm designs for Block and my head engineer does engineering with Block and whatnot, but we are, you know, separate companies and there is now a small block team that is that is completely different so yeah i'm basically the guy that gets given all the problems um <laughs> and, and has to make the terrifying decisions so being being the ceo and chief chef of a, a design company and uh now a watch company you got to be somebody who has to juggle time pretty well so what are you wearing on your wrist i am watch nut as you know so i i split my my watch wearing between a block and currently the 10th anniversary bulgari octo finissimo Whoa. which is the world's thin chronograph so for me as an engineer that's nerdy um but the 10th anniversary took the designer's original drawing and made it the dial of the watch so they laser engraved it in um so the actual dial is a drawing and the first time i saw it you know the pressure Thought, oh man, we should have done that for block. <sighs> like the whole dial should have been a drawing. That would have been so fun. Oh, that would have been killer. I mean, well, you know, your tenth when you get to your tenth anniversary for block, I think I think I now know what's going to come down the pipe. You are, yes, you have an insider. Yeah, yeah. If, we, if we survive, when we when, survive the ten, that's years, right. You can, yeah, sketch dials coming. Yeah. Everybody heard it first here on the Analog Explorer podcast. I love it. So okay, so let, let's let's rewind a bit. So uh, I mean, obviously. Uh, you've got Block, but you also have your design firm. So how how did you go from, what, what, did you just wake up one day and you're like, I'm a watch pest, I should make my own company. How did Block come about? I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that far off of that. So so it's funny, you know, you have Analog Explorer. We, um, um, my major passions are analog watches and uh, analog vehicles, like old, old stuff. Nice. You know, and our viewpoint in general is like the digital world is inevitable. It's happening. I'm not fighting against that, but I want to work to preserve, you know, our love of analog. Mm -hmm. So, yes, it sort of happened, as you said. I've been dying to make a watch. Um, we have worked on and off with some significant uh, Swiss watch companies doing bits of design or little sort of collaboration projects with them. And I had a myriad of ideas. It was my wife, and, and you know, as wives are, they usually have the, the smarter ideas. Right. So she just said, there's no cool accessories for our son. Like, our daughter, daughter's kind of the world. Like, Oh, yeah, no, girls, you know, from... do you want cool pants? Do you want cool shirts? Do you want cute, any anything, everything is cute. Everything. I have a son. A bow tie, like, boys get a bow tie, that's it. And so, you know, he's fascinated by my watch collection, and he knows all, you know, this is the racing watch, this is the space watch, this is the, you know, and and, and I just thought, like, this is, he would die if he had his own proper watch, mm -hmm. and he's only five. And so it started off with that, and, and, and as we were going down the process of making a pretty, good, and well-made watch you know there was the moment as well where we're like hold on we're supposed to be like a pretty good design firm here you know we should probably try and solve a couple problems while we're at this as well and that's where the whole uh time management thing came from the blocks of time um we we suffer greatly from the are we there yet syndrome and most people's inevitable response would be why didn't you just put a timer in it or what's you know a digital timer or whatever but there's a remarkable thing with younger kids is that they need to visually see 
and experience the passage of time to understand it. And there's a really weird example of this, but um, what my kids will do all the time when Netflix is on, which caveat, it's not on that much, but it is on sometimes. We have to get our Peppa Pig and our, our Camp Crustaceous Jurassic Park and, you know. I Dude, Octonauts is on, on repeat here. I feel you, bro. You know, from one dad to another. I understand. Yep. We, um, they will pause it to see the uh, progress bar to see how far along the bar we are so mm. that they, they, they get a sense of how long is left. Mm. And that was fascinating to me. Like my daughter will know that she's got almost half left or we're almost near the end. And that's sort of what we tried to do with the blocks because they get, that gives them a, that gives them peace. You know, they see a, they see a, a, an area getting covered by a hand or getting moved through by a hand. Um, and on like half hour drives, they'll start being like, we're almost there. Yep. And, you know, sure enough, we're three, four turns away from being there. And I, gosh, I have so many ideas, you know, for the future. I would, I would love there to be a little ting when you get to the end of it. I would love there to be, you know, genuine innovation in here. But at some point in time, also a wristwatch, right? And you are limited by the amount of things that you can stuff in in an analog manner. My, my kids used it when we made the early prototypes. And I thought, well, that's, that's a good enough start. So... The, the, the premise of, of block, for anybody who doesn't know about it, is if you look at the dial, the 12 o'clock isn't at 12. It's actually between where we as adults see 12 to 1 o'clock. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're, you, as a kid, you know, and my son, like, I have a five-year-old, and he's looked at my watches, and he always counts the wrong time. He's just like, it's, it's let's see, the, uh, uh, it's, it's three? Nope, that it's, it's actually two. It's in between the two and the three, boo. But well, but but then you solved for that, like using an offset dial. I call it an offset dial. You know, my my son is able to see that, and then with the the almost like a rehot around the the edge, you fully indexed the dial so that my son can see five, ten, fifteen, twenty, and go five, six, seven. So it must be seven oh seven. My genesis of that, though, AJ, as well, was like if a five year old can tell you that it's five something, that's good progress. Exactly. You know, if he knows the hour, right? Like so. And, and we had a really, I think it was a blog to watch, maybe they did an article on it, and uh, Ariel, who owns that, did a really nice write-up on it. But in the comments, you, know, you never go in comment. If you own a company, never go in the comments. No, it's no. Traumatic. Like, Every content creator tells you that. Yeah. But, you know, there's a guy who's like, this is it. This is a stupid dial. Like, why, why on earth would you change how a watch dial works? You know, it doesn't make any sense to me. And my immediate response was, great, because you're old. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I designed it for somebody that doesn't know what a watch face is, and wanted to make it easier for somebody who isn't familiar with that process, right? Uh, like call it a new norm. Now, I'm not, I don't think we're setting a new standard in, in watches, don't don't get me wrong, but right. but logically it makes sense to a little mind, you know? Now, here's the other thing too, and this is what's interesting. So my background, I used to be a school teacher. And so hmm. like when, uh, back in, back in the early days, you know, I'd be sitting in front of my class and I have the big yellow, anybody who's a teacher knows exactly what I'm talking about, the big yellow clock with the gears and the blue hands and you go around and you start t uh, telling time. You know, that's kind of going by the wayside as I talk to my peers that are still uh, practicing in, in the classroom. And a lot of schools, both here in the United States and abroad, have done almost done away with uh, uh, reading an analog face in favor of, of digital, yeah. which is sad because, you know, a clock face, it actually teaches a lot of other things. It teaches fractions it, because of the nature of the fact that you have uh, part and parcel of a whole. And also, I don't actually know the technical term for this, so I call it something weird, but non-deci math. So non-10-based non, non -based mathematics. 
right? Yeah. My daughter thinks it's super weird that there's 60 minutes in it. Why are there not 100 minutes right. in an hour? I don't know, darling. Like, speak, speak to somebody many thousand years ago, right? <laughs> but once they grasp that, I also feel like you've made a slightly more flexible brain too, you know? Yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, now, with that said, Block is also unique in the fact that it, it's a fairly small watch. I mean, this is a 33 millimeter. Feature. There's probably no reason a kid can't wear a 36 or a 37 millimeter, but, but I will say I wear it a lot. And 33 is just different. It's, you know, even as an adult, but it is very proportionally nice to see it on a, on a younger kid. And I really wanted to fight for that rather than making it easier by going 35 or 36. So going out from the dial, uh, which is, you know, the fact that it's fully grade, graduated and stuff, you know, it helps kids learn, like, like you said, it gets away from the, are we there yet? Or, or what time is it? Or when is something? But talk to me about the bezel, because it's not a traditional mission timer. It's not a traditional dive watch bezel. But I mean, from the same ethos as, as your dial, it's easily readable and easily used by anybody who is, you know, three foot tall on, on up. It's just a fun part of the design process, honestly, you know, from um, from the challenges of the materials to filling, figuring out what you could paint fill, how small could we injection mold the plastic, how if we were to mold it small, could people still see it? And, you know, along a process like that, there are eternal learnings, you know, um, making polished steel inserts be brushed steel so they actually reflect less and uh, you, you know, are enabling, to, enabling you to see the color more, but also, you know, fighting to keep quite a complex color balance in each one of the watches. There's a lot of Pantones in each yeah, watch. We didn't just default to whiteface. Um, and that was quite difficult, you know, for us to, to play around with. Um, but yeah, the bezel was a really satisfying um, project and also probably the, yeah, probably the hardest part of the watch, just to dial in the click. Um, but also such a fun aha moment when, I mean, I remember the phone call when I am, I think I said, you know, what if we split the bezel up into blocks? And of course I did my math wrong first. I was like, you know, what if we do five, 10, 15, 20 and wait, that's the wrong yeah. number of minutes. <laughs> and, and we decided, oh my goodness, we could break this up into, into blocks of time. And there's such fun things to play with in the future. I would love to use ceramic like a, you know, like a Daytona or a sub. I would like to mess around with things that look like GMTs. You know, the, the, the 30 minute block is, is red ceramic, nice. the 5, 10, 15s are blue, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, the, the, the bezel was a, was a fun adventure and just even sort of, you know, tuning the little ridges so that a little hand could grab them and get a bit of grip, but it also wasn't yeah. grippy enough that it was spiky or sharp or anything. And endless fettling. That's a good Scottish word for you. Fettling. I like that. Are you, are you Scottish? Is that, is that the, the brogue that I hear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Scottish. I did. Yeah, I did uh, 11 years at Oakley, the sunglass company in Southern California. So I got Southern, you know, I got broad and stoked out and now I'm in South Carolina. So I say y'all. Oh, God. <laughs> well, I'm stoked that you say y'all. Um... Yeah, well, it's a mess then when I have whiskey because then I get Scottisher. <laughs> so... Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. Okay, okay. So uh, the other thing about uh, the, the Block 33 that I, I, I also uh, appreciate is the fact that even though it's a plastic watch, I understand that this is a bioplastic, correct? Yeah. One of our statements is excessive design, meticulous execution. Unfortunately, we applied that to Block as well. So we, we really went at everything on this watch. And I'll get to that biopolymer, but it was... Uh, you know, the price point of $179 is a, is a really interesting topic because you get a lot of reactions from people that are like, well, holy cow, that's an expensive kid's watch. 
my calm reaction to that is it is an incredibly cheap $500 watch. It is. Um, if you look at what we have executed and the comparison, if you tried to get two millimeter sapphire crystal in something else, you're just you're straight above five hundred dollars without blinking. And so, the case was an interesting area for us to actually try to fight the bomb cost, the bill of materials, a little bit, um, and put in the sort of integrity that we wanted to apply to Block as a brand. Mm. So I have a long history in injection molding from from working at Oakley, the sunglasses company, and from a lot of uh, medical ma- accessories that we manufacture for, through Discommon. And there's a very well-loved nylon called TR90 that is uh, used for Oakley sunglasses. It's used for an awful lot of different um, materials. And its raw state is clear. And it means that pigmenting it to different colors or doing a clear watch in the future mm. Um, is completely possible. And they have a bio version of it, which I believe the number, forgive me if I get it wrong, I'm going to call it 65% derived from castor oil. And our goal is not to tout being a green company. I think that's used as a story so often by brands. My, My feeling on it, especially as a design and engineering firm, is it's just a part of a responsibility now. And, um, that's not as far as we'll go with it. And by saying not as far as we go with it, you know, I'm not screaming from the rooftops that we're green. I hope it's 100% at one point in time. But the diligence should be on every brand to put in the effort where they can on any of the components. You know, our packaging uses shredded denim jeans. The the paper genuinely is post-consumer recycled. And there are, my goodness, there are so many battles about what actually makes green. You know, what's your carbon footprint if you're shipping stuff? What's your, what does it actually take to make all of those papers but I think so long as you're part of the story that we should all be trying for that, then then you're on the right side of the battle, you know? Right. So the, the, the plastic was a really good way for us to do this watch case as well because the, the case is a block. It is a single block of material. And this, you know, uh, front-facing drop-in assembly of a watch is more complicated. A screw down, a screw back or a press back is much easier for assembling um, and and servicing a case. But taking on that challenge meant that, you know, the case happens in one go. It's shot in injection mold and, and, you know, as long as it passes QC, you have your final watch case. Um, We spend a lot of money on a highly polished tool, so there's not all of the traditional finishing that has to happen. And that is what helped us in this battle to pack this thing full of as many, you got the screw down crown as well, you know, pack it as full of as many features as you could. I I noticed immediately that it was a monocoque case. And it's funny because like, I just attributed it to like, you were trying to make this as barracuda proof for a kid as possible so that they, let's face it, you and I both know, it's hard for me enough to not have my kid unscrew the crown. Right. Give him, Give him give him enough uh, 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 knowledge of the fact that, that this thing could unscrew from the back, and this thing is going to be flooded the next time we hit the lake. <laughs> like, you know. So I just assumed that was the reason. Yeah, and, and the battery that um, when you when you when you finally get into ETA, that's a process. Let me tell you that when you finally are allowed to be a when you're allowed to purchase ETA movements. Um, there are different batteries that you can uh, spec and you know we felt pretty confident specking this you know up to 10 year battery life that okay it is serviceable you there's the movement release pin on the back that, that allows the crown to come out but at that point in time if these are if we're jamming in 10 years time i don't we'll be taking these watches back and we'll be recasing them in steel for older kids or something like that you know it it, like the, that'll when these start running out of batteries and needing service, that'll be the fun type. Yeah. You know? 
No, that that's that's killer. I I play. I, I hear to tell you, like if my if it survives, which you know, I was I was a boy in the Pacific Northwest, and I had I had a watch. It was a resin cased watch, and I wore it for years until I shredded the crown off. Yeah. So, um, if my son is anything like a chip off his his dad's old old block, you know, hopefully his will fare better than mine. But uh, if it does, I, I plan on getting it serviced. You know, like yeah, I mean that's the, that's the goal. You know. Um, it, it, we're funny. I mean, you know, they were built to be extremely durable. I had somebody completely destroy one. Wow. Uh, we got the email today. Um, and I was actually a little disappointed how it, you know, this is the, the stuff that probably my PR team and stuff would say, well, like, why are you even sharing this? But it came apart in the washing machine. Um, and I have run it through the washing machine. This was just part of the process that we're doing. And, and ours was fine. Uh, I ran it through a lot of times. And, and indeed, the strap is washable. But he said, no, nope, I do want to come clean. It was on like white sanitize oh, or something geez. like that. And I yeah. said, okay. <laughs> There's only there's only so much a high trail seal can yeah. take before like the lens just falls out, you know. Right. Um, but it was ticking. It was still ticking after it came out. So the the anti movement was still working, which is pretty funny. And I said, you know what? I'm giving you. I emailed them back today, and I said, man, you get you get the one time washing machine pass because I've done it by mistake. So send it back. We'll re, uh, we'll we'll send out a new one, but we'll probably play around with that one to see if it actually is yeah. damaged or not. You know, no, that's that's some great field testing. And you know what's funny? It's like so those type of stories. And and I've I've talked to other uh, watch companies and stuff, and that's the kind of stories that actually the the CEOs, the the chief chefs, the uh, owner and proprietors of all these companies want to like they genuinely do want those pieces back so that they can be like, okay, how can I make it even more Barracuda proof? You yeah, know, in the yeah, future. Yeah. And- Listen, man, this is having this is having a company, right? And, and and when we see a brand or we're exposed to a brand, and especially if they have an incredibly polished website and they've obviously been in years of development or those type of things, you know, we had a we had an email, somebody's lens fell out um, uh, of of their watch, and we went we traced back through it, and it was you know I don't know the twenty ninth order of a watch or something like that. And the reality is, speaking back to Rhonda, um, our assembly partner in Switzerland, it's still a human's yeah, human error. First hundred watches that they press fitted a lens into, you know, and and um, that's just the reality of having a company, you know, like yeah. humans are involved. It's handmade in Switzerland, like it's you know like it. Somebody didn't press the lens in far enough. Now it was still QC'd at past ten ATM, but you know, if something's ever so slightly sitting off or it just hasn't set flash, like there's things we're going to learn over the coming years. You know, swatches or Timex is 140 years old. Like they've got a little bit of practice. Yeah, I, I always equate everything to like Seiko. Look at how much flack Seiko gets for like the rehot not being lined yep. up or the the bezel click not being indexed correctly, and it's like. Whatever, and those are those are mass made, not hand yeah. produced type of a thing. Like human or technology will err, and honestly, as an enthusiast, we should just take a moment and be like, yes, we've spent money on whatever this product is, but we shouldn't be accusatory or or uh, attacking the the owner and proprietor. We should we're enthusiasts. We should take a step back and take some grace because clearly, the company who made this is probably just as enthusiastic as we are. I do. I- I, I, as an as an owner of you know, just common manufactures things as well. We do some huge architectural projects and and make other luxury goods. And I um, I give a lot of grace to to other owners of things, but the grace only extends to a certain principle that they apply to the business. Because if somebody in the business side of things becomes non helpful or dismissive, right. or or something in that case, then they get a lecture from me. Um, and and I would expect the same um 
to come to us. I hope it never does. But you know, you you get you get a level of grace when you have experienced or gone through a process like this. Um, uh, we are about to release a smaller strap for the watch because we, you know, two or three, four emails in, in you know, the last um, weeks of straps being too long for kids. And I thought, how on earth is that feasible? Like, we statistically, we're in the 97th percentile of adjustability of strap range. But it turns out there's some kids that have smaller wrists. And right. if parents are putting it on three and four-year-olds, like, there are vastly different, um, you know, growth spectrums that happen. And that doesn't mean we were lazy about our strap research. It just means we learned something, you know? As I think I think too often when it comes to anybody who's a, a product enthusiast, like we, I, I don't know, like, and because, I mean, you're putting some hard-earned money into whatever you're, you're enthusiastic about. And there's always that, like, knee-jerk of disappointment, like, oh, it's, it, yeah. it's ped pedestalism. You put this thing on a pedestal, and it's like, this is the most perfect thing. And you get it, it's just like expectations. But, you know, I like that. The fact that we should everybody needs to just take a step back and just give a moment of grace because these things like block, how, how old is your company? You were saying, you know, Timex has been around for a, yeah. uh, a, a, a century. Uh, Blocks, I mean, how old again? Yeah, let me hear, four months. Let me hear, right. <laughs> four, four <laughs> yeah. months, four months. You know, it, the fact that you're, you're, you're still, you're, you're taking everything in stride and innovating on the fly speaks to the fact that you're listening to the enthusiasts. I will say, Jay, we take it very seriously as well because somebody is spending $179 on a watch, right? You ain't, you like, you ain't playing. Like, there's a, there's a $40 version of a kid's watch out there. So, sure. um, it, that's also part of the fun passion is, like, there's a reason every one of the block watches arrived set to the time zone of the I person noticed. buying it. <laughs> I noticed, dude. That was I was brilliant. Like, really proud of that. That that because you spent 179 bucks on a watch. I, I kind of like kind of wanted it to come at the right time so your kid gets the time as soon as they open out the box. You know what? That's not that easy when you're fulfilling orders, but it's something that we're really proud of. And uh, Oliver, who's um, one of the the, the co-founders, but he owned or was part of ownership of a, a, a London-based watch company in the past. You know, that was something he brought up, and I just said, "Yep, it's a rule. That's we're doing it now." Like, sorry, we're just gonna have to figure out how to do that. And, and our Apple, like our our desktop in the fulfillment area. Um, if you click on the world clock, it like fills two pages or it fills two columns of, of the drop down of the screen and it's just got the craziest <laughs> places on it. Uzbekistan and the UAE and well we joked that we should stick them all on the wall. We should get a bunch of analog clocks that were on the wall for the time zones, but there'd be yeah. about forty of them already. So I need to get some kind of like IKEA clock that I could just start collecting them, you know? Okay, so so yeah, so it's a, the block watch, the design methodology, the the uh, partial greeniness that the that that block is taking in its in its production and stuff and and the fact that it's a monocoque case. Um, the other thing that I, as a as a dad, I'll say that I appreciate is the fact that it is that the fact that you do have a tactile bezel that my kiddo can use because my son grabs mine and will you know do yep. this. Some of them are a little bit stiff because we 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 go diving and stuff yep. and we're we're just a stone's throw from Lake Watcom. And that was the big draw for him for this is um, when I, because, you know, he's always watch curious because he likes dad's watches, but all of mine are, you know, 39 millimeters and, and higher. Yep. And I had been looking for a dive like watch for my son because we yeah. do paddle boarding and stuff and he wants an adventure watch like dad does, right? 
And I've showed him like the, the cheap Casios and stuff. And I show him your guys' site and immediately like he just zeroed in. He was just like, Dada, I want the black one. Yeah. Like, done. Done. And then of course, like then it start it didn't stop there. Because then my wife's just like, oh my God, these are great. And what size are they? The 33 millimeters. That's my size. I want one. I want the white one. So I have a black and white one. Yep. And you know, the fact is is that my wife. I don't think has she has like a Frederic Constant. She has uh, several other pieces because I've I've gotten her into the watch fam. But this is the thing that basically doesn't leave her side. the The fact is is that like this is you know adults wear this. My kid can wear this. And the fact is, uh, as a parent, the thing that because like I said, it's a monocoque case. Yep. The thing that can fa- foul is user serviceable. I can pop this bezel with my thumbnail, get yep. underneath, and see those four little clicks. My yep. son already thrashed this into like mud and it was just like that i can't turn it and i'm like huh i wonder luckily your guys's instagram showed an exploded view of all of the yeah, parts that funny. are in this yeah. watch i used that because i was going to email you honestly uh before i reached out for you on the on the podcast and and i found that post i'm like oh cool oh okay i didn't have to use my case knife popped it with my thumbnail found the four little uh uh I'm going to guess yep. they're nylon. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Took them out, cleaned them out in some water. Oh, man, you sh- it was gnarly. <laughs> Got whatever he was playing in out, set them back in. Didn't need, don't need a, a, a crystal press or anything. Just go click. Uh, you know, it's funny. These are just the hard, uh, of, of owning now a company, like Discommon does boutique stuff in general, uh, the stuff that we make and sell. So like, I basically know everybody that's ever bought something from us. Now this is a more of a volume proposition mm-hmm. with Block. And, you know, you, you will get that email of like, you know, my kid's been in the sand. The clicker's not working anymore. Well, the next watch that we release is a fixed bezel. It doesn't have the rotating oh. turn. It's a it's a, a time teaching watch. It's it's a oh, different cool. different shape, but it's uh, the minutes are outside and, and keeps the block concept of the hours. Uh, but that is because a rotating bezel shouldn't be for everybody. Like, yes, the sure. watch is washable and all of those things, but there's a pro and a con to every feature that you do on something, you know? The number of questions you get, why is the why is the crown on the left-hand side? Well, it was deliberate. It wasn't a mistake. I did it. <laughs> I did. It was for a reason. Um, and But, you know, my, my kid can't adjust the time. Oh, well, the time's the time. I was kind of hoping they wouldn't do that. You know, that was part right. of the reason. We're going to make it a little harder to get to the unscrew to, to fiddle with yes, the please. time. And it, it, gosh, I mean, AJ, it's been this this higher volume stuff has been fascinating to me, and this is why you don't do design by committee, because it would be impossible, uh, yeah. right? Uh, uh, yes. But yes, we, we'll learn plenty of things uh, uh, over time, I'm sure. I guess this is this is one of the first watches that I could see the intentionality in, and. <laughs> Oh, that's cool, man. Thanks. You know, I, you know, you're not paying me for this. Like, this is this, you know, this is unadulterated. This is my opinion. Yes, like, no, the, no the, hashtag no ad. This is a conversation, this is no ad. and I'm very, very grateful for it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the fact that you know your your crown is on the left hand side, and my son wears his watch on his left wrist, so it makes sense that you know, you know a lot of people are like, oh, you know, what they're going to keep the crown from digging into the wrist. Yeah, as an adult, that's what we say. As dads, you and I both know why this was done. If he yep. puts his coat on, it doesn't catch the dang crown. Yep. Like, so I went, I mean, I literally, here's how that design element went. Um, my, my history of watches is a, is a relatively significant collection of vintage Hoyers. And back in the sixties, the Monaco, the Otavia and some of the Carreras didn't, uh, they had the crown on the left-hand side. Legend has it, uh, that that was, uh, to stop the wrist hitting it for when drivers were using it. Cause your hands cocked back on the steering wheel. 
it might have just been how the caliber 11 was made, you know? Sure. Um, who knows? Uh, but it went like this. What side should we have the crown on? Oh, I want it on the left. Why? Well, because of Monaco. Uh, and, and <laughs> you heard it here, folks. That was the first conversation. And then, you know, as a design firm, two seconds later, you're like, wait, no, no, I'm not kidding anymore. No, that would be dope. Like, it's not going to catch on things for a kid. Like, no, I yeah. want to do that. And also it makes it more awkward for the right hand because, the you know, general assumption is most kids are going to wear this on the left hand. It makes right. it harder for the right hand to wrap around and fiddle with it because they're doing a, you know, a double back on themselves. And I mean, that's how design, design, design decisions aren't, they ain't rocket science. It literally came from me going, ooh, Monaco, ooh, wait, that's a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> Watch Pest first, designer second. I see yep. your mentality. This is great. Yep, yep. The other thing that I, I, I also appreciate, but also I found that's a little, a little bit annoying is the fact that it's fixed. These, these are fixed bars. There's no, you can't even get spring bar failure off of this, which I appreciate 17 millimeter lug width, which I can, I can say a 16 and an 18 mil both fit through the, the lugs. I've got, they do. They just, the 18 squeezes through a little bit. Yeah. And if you use a, uh, like a paratrooper style, uh, Erica's original style, uh, webbing it, uh, with enough stretch, they fit beautifully. That's what my son wears. He's got a a cheapest NATO, uh, paratrooper style, um, to slide through this. Uh, and it's an 18 mil. My wife just has 16 mil, uh, NATO. It, It slips through real, real easy. And she keeps the, she, she wears it traditionally. NATO style with the the actual keeper on the bottom. Yeah, the the next one that we, um, I think the next strap, like when we launch the strap shop, the first ones will be using tied ocean plastic, which is not a crazy innovation. And in you know there are other straps that use that, but it was appropriate for us. Um, The straps that they come with, I would call them quite luxury straps. You know, they're it's vegan leather. It's back with. It's a significant process to make that strap because the Kivdrap fabric on the outside surface. it's a frayable fabric, so it has to get folded under um, and pinched in. But, but you know, we've checked the mark of, like, the sort of high-end strap. And in my mind is a, what I call sort of sports straps to come. You know, there'll be a NATO, uh, traditional NATO, probably with a buckle, uh, NATO Velcro. And then um, do want to investigate elastics and stretchables and probably some kind of, like, the hardcore sort of like Timex Ironman style mm. sort of rubber backed, uh, slightly wider. Maybe even it comes around the other side of the lugs. Like, you know, this is like getting strapped onto the wrist type of thing. So, right. Right. Um, you know, pros and cons to Velcro strap, you can catch Velcro and it could, yep. you know, you, it can come off, but also we're seeing three, four and five year olds getting these put on. And it's a lot harder to ask a three year old to put a buckle on. So, Again, pros and cons. So that's why I'm quite excited about the strap shop because there'll just be sort of this myriad of things. And I, I hope to sort of instill in some kids this idea of collectability as well. You know, that they want things for a reason, right? To, to sort of collect uh, colors or whatever it is. So that, that actually leads me into the question I always ask everybody on the Analog Explorer. And that is, why watches? Why did you go into watches? Oh, I'm, I am completely comfortable with that answer because it has been such a, a significant part of my life. Um, I have I have a twofold answer to that. Um, number one is how astonishing that I can carry an engineer's life work on my wrist. So if you look at a watch like an MBNF or an Urwerk or even backing it out to any early hires or the, you know an early hire that has a caliber 11 or 12 movement, you know the first prominent automatic movements, you're carrying a piece of work that defines somebody's existence in many ways right right 
and it's captured within 40 millimeters on your wrist. So that's the first thing. I'm a mechanical engineer by degree. So mm. you can't pack more mechanical engineering into a functional item than that. So fascinated by them from that point. But I also, nobody believes this, but I'm, I'm some form of an introvert. Um, I don't really like the effort of broad social situations. And I've often found a unique vintage or not a not a douchey watch, you know, not a not a, a flashy one, but an interesting watch to be a form of social armor, because there are always stories that accompany accompany vintage uh, Daytonas or. So I have a I have a Submariner that's done by um, Artisan de Genève. That's um, they're a Rolex modifying firm, um, uh, and it's nobody nobody would know that it's custom. But it has a fully custom, you know, navy blue ceramic bezel. The dial's navy blue. Um, the entire body of the watch is beat blasted. So it's the strap. And it's just me. It's just very chill, but it's very different. And I've had a number of people, you know, you'll be in a situation, a dinner, a business dinner, a meeting, and someone's like, hey, that doesn't look like my sub. Like, what's up with that? Um, and this social armor thing, it's an easy talking point as well. It you is. Know? I had a fascinating conversation not that long ago. One of our local Italian restaurants, I copped a guy across from me um, with a vintage Submariner on, and I said, I poked my wife and said, I gotta ask him about the watch. Dude, he was Sylvester Stallone's stunt double no. and Arnold Schwarzenegger's. Throughout uh, all of their early careers, he's a pilot, and he flew the Harrier jump jet in true lies for Arnold Schwarzenegger. What? Yeah, and He's in our the restaurant in Greenville, and uh, Schwarzenegger, no, uh, oh, no, I'm going to get it wrong. Either Schwarzenegger or Stallone, one of them gave him the Daytona as a thank you. And I'm like, this is why I watch it. <laughs> and I said, how many planes are you certified to fly? He said, I have no idea. Jumbo jet through to Cessna. I've let jumbo, you know, uh, I've let jumbo laps, but, you know, I had been in the Air Force. I happened to be already qualified to fly a jump jet when I when I was asked to do it for the movie. You know, like, wow, it was so cool having the conversation. Um, so, yeah, that's why I watch is social armor and uh, capturing a lifetime of work on a wrist. Oh, that's that's one of the that, that's probably one of the best responses I've had so far. Neil. Thank you so much. <laughs> cool. Yeah, there you go. And that wraps up this edition of the Analog Explorer podcast. Thank you again so much for tuning in, rating and reviewing the Analog Explorer wherever you like to get your podcasts. And remember, if you're interested in these Pantone colorful Barracuda-proof dive-inspired kids' watches, be sure to check out Block Watches. You can find them online at Block Watches. That's B-L-O-K watches.com. I'm AJ Barsay, your Analog Explorer. Thank you again for joining me, and we'll be back soon.